Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, a much more film to watch this time around. You guys know the drill. Top five tapes, what worked, offense and defense recap, individuals, big play breakdown, the snap counts, all of that, and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. Week number 15 in the books now, just three to go. Let's go ahead and break down the Dolphins' 30 to nothing comprehensive stomping of the New York Jets. And we start, as we do, with the big play breakdowns. I have three for you here. A record-breaking touchdown run. This was one of my favorite plays of the season, and I'll tell you why, as it was a theme throughout the course of the football game. So, third and goal at the two. The two previous runs have netted negative one yard the previous two plays. You're seeing a pass in that situation, you know, without actually running any numbers, what, 90% of the time? Like most coaches aren't going back to the well the third time, but the best part of it was the design. It was akin to the Chase Edmonds run in Baltimore last year, right before the game winner. Remember that like 28-yard run he had in the game-winning drive? They're playing their typical man coverage down in low red zone. Most defenses do. So when Cedric Wilson motions to the field, you get rotation from the defense. One of those rotating parts is the force defender. The force defender is your furthest width defender who is responsible for containing the edge and funneling things back inside to your help. They remove that defender. Every defense that's ever been structured has a force defender against the run. That's how you drop your run fits. If you don't have that, you're going to lose contain outside. You're going to give up explosive plays, or in this case, a touchdown. And the offensive line flows that way with stretch action. So everything is telling you the ball's going to the right side except that's not how McDaniel's run game is designed. There's always more than what meets the initial eye. That's why Max Crosby told him after the game, dude, it's hell getting ready for you guys. It's tough to game plan for you guys and get ready for what you're going to do offensively because on this play, you get double guard counter, which means both guards pull out to the backside. Lester Cotton and Rob Jones both hit critical seals, and those blocks are really accomplished because of the design of the left tackle and the tight end who are further left of those guys working down blocks to the right. And because of their flow that direction, you see those perimeter edge, those perimeter Jets defenders, they take one false step inside, and that was all Lester and all Big Rob needed to get on the outside shoulder pad, to get their butts flipped around, turn those pads inside, seal it off, and it's a walk-in, cruising, cruising USA, Raheem Mostert, touchdown run. 17th of the year, 19th total. Both of those are Miami Dolphins records. The next big play is a deep shot from Tua Tungavailoa to Jalen Waddle on the flyby. It's so impressive how we get these deep connections often against coverage with just two-man route combos. There's always a check down option, a release valve, a running back of some sort, but typically it's Tyreek and Waddle executing a two-man route combo to get the shot plays for this offense. And all game long, the Dolphins were helping with some max protect situation. And it's a big reason why the offense was so efficient in this one, but never more so than on this one. I believe it's quarter, quarter, half, AKA quarter six, which is one deep defender has a half of the field. The other two defenders have quarters. So three defenders take up the entire deep umbrella of the defense. And DJ Reed, the Jets cornerback, is the quarter to the boundary, the short side of the field. Then you have two high safeties. And at the pre-snap motion, 
that widens those safeties. You see them shift to go along with the motion back to the field, the wide side of the field. And that declares that DJ Reed now has to run vertical alone with Jalen Waddle. And in this offense, if you get one player running vertical without safety help on Waddle Tyreek, that's probably where the ball should go. The protection's awesome because you have doubles on both Quinn and Williams and Quentin Jefferson inside. Liam and Lester and Rob and Austin both create this perfect pocket. And this is where you love having a player of Teron Armstead's caliber because he just shuts down one of their best pass rushers, Bryce Huff. Just take care of it 1v1. We'll double up everybody else and just take out their best pass rusher with your best pass protector. Then Durham Smythe has help from Alec Ingold on Jermaine Johnson, but guess what? Didn't even need it because he shut the rep down. And newsflash, if you're tight end shutting down an edge rusher, it's going to be a long day for you. He destroyed Johnson on that play. And then Tua aids in it, getting that single coverage declaration by holding the quarter safety. This is going to be a lot, so hang with me. The quarter safety who's possibly going to help impact Waddle's route with a frontside crossing route from Chosen. So Waddle's going vertical to the left. Chosen's running the crossing route from the right coming left, and he occupies that other safety who could potentially get depth and peel out of his quarter coverage and just whip back to the deep portion of the field and try to help because Reed got smoked. But that's not what happened because Tua locks onto that safety before he pumps the ball deep, and that makes him kind of have some indecision. I better go buzz this crossing route. Now I can't help on Waddle. And then it's up to Jalen Waddle. Comes off the line of scrimmage against this off coverage, which is typical for cover six. I saw Jets fans complaining about their coverage. Like, you don't want to press these guys too much because if you lose the line of scrimmage, it's over quickly. At least in off coverage, you can have a chance to kind of, you know, rotate and help and double. But he comes off the line, Waddle, like the Red Bull racing car. And quite frankly, I don't think I've seen another person on the planet that can run this route. He might be the only guy. I'm sure it's out there. I just probably haven't watched all the tape of the National Football League to see it. Like, I'm not grinding Jamar Chase tape every week. You know, sue me. But I don't think that Tyreek has this in his bag because he's a shorter strider, and I'll explain it to you. So Jalen is at full speed, and he takes this widening step, which, you know, receivers, their steps and how they stab. A stab is a term that receivers use in terms of, like, selling the direction they want to run. A stab step is kind of a fake. He sells this stab step inside that widens DJ Reed. It breaks him down. He goes from pedaling backwards, and his feet flatten for just a second. You can see him. And that's when panic sets in because he knows, oh, that wasn't an inside move. That was a move to go vertical. But the next step that Waddle takes is why he's full-blown alien with this stuff. It's not, that, that's not an on-balance platform. Like you're, they tell you to keep your feet under your shoulders in football, right? That's how you stay with your balance as best as you possibly can. That's not what he's doing here. But because he's an alien, he can drive off that stab step and accelerate through it where most guys have to decelerate. And then it just gets even better because first Tua throws the ball down there in a spot like you would see one of the master chefs on Chopped presenting their dishes to the chefs. Like, look at what I made with reduced vinaigrette made out of chopped tofu. Like, it's on a silver platter. Couldn't be put out there any better. But Waddle has more work to do and he stacks DJ Reed. What does stacking mean? So when you get past a defender, um, you know, if you're side by side with them, you want to make sure you get on top of them and put them on your back because then they have to play through you to the football. They can't run their full acceleration because they might tangle their feet and get a DPI. Like stacking the DB, it's taught across the entire football, you know, cognoscenti, as it were, to do that. And he does it here perfectly. And 
it allows him to adjust in flight to the ball because the ball kind of goes down the numbers, which is where Tua typically throws these deep shots and waddles wide, wider than that. But because he's stacked Reed, he has more time to adjust, runs right through it. I think it's my favorite touchdown of the entire season. Impressive, impressive stuff all the way around. Our third final big play, and I only use one of the takeaways here because the two picks late in the game, those were like, it was over already. So, you know, cool. And they were they were kind of like just pop flies, you know, Simeon through. Either way, Zach Sealer almost scores again. So there were some coverage sacks in this game. This was not one of them. In fact, Garrett Wilson got free on a drag route from Mesh, which is two drag routes on opposite sides of the formation that come across the middle of the field and tries to create a natural rub on your linebacker or man corners, depending on man or zone. It's a very common man beater across all levels of football. But before... Wilson even cleared the hook defender because you have two guys covering in man chasing those guys, but there also is a hook defender playing a zone in that defense. Wilson was already spinning out of danger from the pass rush. So it was open, but the pass rush defeated their offensive line to prevent that option from being there for Zach Wilson. And that's because Christian Wilkins wins from the one shade like immediately. And, you know, the A-gap pressure is the worst pressure for a quarterback. It looked like a communication breakdown for the Jets on the offensive line because the center is sliding out to help the guard, but there's no one there to help on it. So, like, they do that a lot. They're just not very good. But Christian is able to recognize this and then rush half the man and just discards him quicker than I can discard my Thanksgiving key lime pie. And Zach Sealer gets cut by the running back, but his presence doesn't allow Wilson to step up into that portion of the pocket, though he probably wasn't going to anyway because this quarterback never does that. That's why he can't play in this league. Instead of that, he does his little roll around where he tries to extend the play, gets wrangled by the ankle by Christian Wilkins, and then like you could have gotten a throwaway off but not so fast, my friend, because number two smells blood in the water and with a burst of speed around the corner just accelerates right through Wilson, hits him mid-throwing motion, balls on the ground. Sealer never gives up on the play, so he gets back to his feet and then scoops it up for a near score. That is how you play phenomenal team defense. Whew, big plays in the bag. Let's go ahead and do top five tapes right here before our first break. Number one is Bradley Chubb. It had to be a career day for him. It's always nice to thread a thought from training camp that sticks and rides throughout the course of the entire season. And I remember being so impressed by both B. Chubb and J.P.'s work in the perimeter running game because this offense is so good at it, but they made it challenging on the Dolphins because both Chubb and Phillips are so good, and he's maintained that menacing level throughout the entire season. Just look at him standing over there all menacingly, and he has multiple tools in the bag to win against those looks. You pull a backside guard, cool. He'll put a little hesitation crossover step and beat them with speed. Try it with a tight end, a guy that's giving up 40 pounds to Chubb. That ain't going to work. He's a top five draft pick. He has the production and the athletic testing and the physical strength to go punch that dude in the mouth and win with brute force also. He just did so many things in this game. He'll hold the perimeter on handoffs where Wilson would like boot out you know, after giving the ball to Dalvin Cook or Brees Hall because you have to contain that edge. That's his role. So you can't see that guy. I mean, sometimes they'll do it where they just crash the end and you get Lamar Jackson pulling the ball out on zone read and going, you know, 60 yards down the field. And Zach Wilson's not Lamar Jackson, but he can run. So you have to respect the, the boot action off of that. And then once he recognizes the ball's been handed off, just condenses inside and close that backside C gap to cut down Dalvin Cook before you can even find that bend back lane, which by the way, is anybody more washed than Dalvin Cook? My goodness. I can't you can't watch that tape last year and tell me you thought you should have signed that player. Like obvious. Just like Devin White was uh deactive for the Bucks yesterday, even though he's healthy. Like, I don't know. Listen to guys that watch tape. I'm gonna have to ask Bradley Chubb this week. I but I think his first full sack that he had in the game 
where he just destroyed Makai Becton inside the B-gap is because I think he read that out real time. Like, Becton winds up oversetting and getting more depth than he should have, and Chubb just goes into a little breakdown chop step, and he sees that opening on the inside. If you're going to give a pass rusher the inside lane, they're going to take it every time. And he gets in there with an aggressive step paired with an arm over that just makes him unblockable for Becton. And he's literally passed him before Wilson's even got his eyes back to the defense because he's still executing a play action fake and he still got his back to the defense just shuts it down from the word go that's like it doesn't matter what everybody else in the field does Bradley Chubb won that play by himself for a big loss that's the kind of stuff that like superstars do man seven pressures led the team six stops also led the team three sacks two forced fumbles he might play the rest of his life and never have a game that good again because that's tough to do my second top tape is Jalen Waddle. This is what I'm talking about when I say the tape has been good for him all year. Yes, there are drops, and he had one in this game that you can point to. But the guy's always open, and you saw it this game. The ball coming his way finally when he did get open. Finally, his plays synced up with the timing of the offense in his breakout performance where he had 142 yards. But honestly, that's probably a lot closer to 200 if we didn't have to grind the game down to a halt. If the Jets could have scored a couple of touchdowns and and kept the game close and you have to keep going through the air, Waddle probably has two bills in this game. But the details of his routes, even on plays where he's not even in the progression, and you know, I I can't know for sure that he's not part of the progression, but like like, there was a throw to HN in the flat hot where it clearly was not going to him, but to, to Waddle. But his goal on this play, because you're running double slants to create this window to the flat, is to you have to sell the cornerback that you're going to win that inside access, and it creates the lane with this little stutter step, stab outside, cross face, and flip your man's hips. Once you get the hips flipped, that's when you know that's going to be an easy conversion because of the way the offense is designed. And for Waddle, it's just constant. He, he blocks this way. He runs his routes this way. He cheers on his teammates this way. He catches a dig later in the game where he sort of slow plays the release, and this is like the nuance of his game that people just don't appreciate. Both he and Tyreek have this in their game, and it's not appreciated enough, I don't think. But he slow plays the release, and then when he sees Tua separate the hands, and that thing happens fast, right? To rip the anticipation throw, it's like, put the pedal on the floor, was that loud? And go. Like, he accelerates through the apex, angles back to the football, which is third-year player, like, that's great, man. Pluck it, and then it's like a good driver using the on-ramp to get up to speed, right? You know that driver that's going 45 on the on-ramp, and you're like, go! We have to be going 25 miles an hour faster in the next 15 feet. Otherwise, we're going to be blocking up traffic. We merge, and we're already at top speed because we're a good driver. That's Jalen Waddle. He probably drives these streets in South Florida, which are dangerous, very, very well. Eight catches, 142 yards, one touchdown on nine targets. That's good for 15.7 per target. That's good for 5.92 yards per route ran. Those are both season highs for Jalen Waddle. 71 yards of it came after the catch. That's 8.9 yards after the catch per catch. It feels like Waddle is about to take off. Let's go ahead and take off ourselves for our first break right here. Come back on the other side, do the next three through five top tapes. We'll do offense and defense and snap counts. All of that ahead. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield. We are brought to you by AutoNation. Our top two tapes went to Jalen Waddle and Bradley Chubb. Our third top tape from the Dolphins' 30 to nothing beatdown of the airplanes is Christian Wilkins. The way that this guy... I mean, everything he does is impressive. The way he rides the flow on outside zone, the way he you know gets back over a block that he shouldn't be able to, power, strength, quickness, smarts, intelligence, leadership, conditioning, he's everything you want in a football player. But also what I noticed in this game, the way that he adjusts to players' leverage in real time, kind of like I talked about with Bradley Chubb's pass rush on Makai Becton for the sack, it's cool to watch it play out like that because 
like there's a situation in the game where he's the the pick man on a stunt that's designed to get sealer from that five technique to wrap off of his butt inside to loop around for that you know free run on the quarterback and as soon as the center the inside man starts to peel off inside to go pick up zach christian like like almost like they're attached like if he pulls this way, Christian feels the rope pull. And so he inherently knows I'm immediately going to work my momentum back into that man, because not only will it collapse him and prevent him from helping on the, on picking up Zach Sealer, but it also allows Zach or rather Christian, I should say to further penetrate the pocket and split those two offensive linemen and go get the quarterback. He was as always fantastic. This is the best year of his career, bet on himself and it's going to pay off for him. Five pressures, one stop in the game for Christian Wilkins. My fourth best tape strap in because it's Tua Tungavailoa and I have a lot to say about our quarterback here. So the release and anticipation somehow has gotten better. I counted a handful of throws where he's throwing into a triangle or a window of defenders where he's banking solely on the fact that their current leverage will remove them from the equation and the space that he's trying to throw the football into. And it's not just those quick, short shots over the middle like the fourth down conversion. The play where Waddle got hurt on the first drive. I mean, this is a throw that travels 25 yards in the air with a safety on top of Waddle, a cloud corner who's zone reading Tua, zone dropping Tua with his eyes on the quarterback, pressing inside, and the hook linebacker, which is not where they usually are, but against this offense, is 15 yards of depth. Typically, they're more in the 10-12 range, but against this offense, you got to get more depth. So the skill to throw that ball into that pocket with anticipation and the layering, because it, it he throws it with like a hump where it, it gets up over that first level and then just dives down into Waddle into the pocket. Like that's a that's spin rate. That's a big hand that's generating force on the ball sideways so it can have that little hump move. Like go throw a football. There's different ways to manipulate the way the football flies through the air. Tua Tungavailoa is one of the best in the world at doing that. Talk about all the traits you want. I want these things combined from my quarterback. What a surprise. He's playing great football because he has those traits. Crazy thought. And I thought that he had two misses on the day. There was a drop pick, which I at first I thought was not that bad, but it, it was pretty bad. Uh, although I will say, Cedric Wilson came out of the break very slowly and rounded it off. And like, there's no way a linebacker should be able to read that and judge it and jump that play like that. I got it when Brandon Eccles did the last time around because he's a slot cornerback and Tua was late on the read. But I thought this was more of the receiver kind of kind of running a half-assed route, if I'm being honest. But still, Tua put the ball right in the hands of the defender. Luckily, he drops it. And then there was a screen dump off on the opening drive. It's second 19 after the holding call, right after the big shot downfield to Waddle. I don't know if you recall that, but it's second 19. And Raheem runs that little Texas screen, right? The little angle route back inside that we had with uh, success with Devon Achan recently, or earlier in the year, I should say. And Raheem has a blocker right in front of him and a green grass in front. But he has to pivot and reach back and catch it one-handed, which slows him down, and that allows the pursuit to catch up. But that was it. Those two throws, I thought, were the only bad plays by two in the entire game because he was in complete control of this one, man. Like, we had good spacing by design offensively, but this quarterback really accentuates your ability to maintain that space in the football field. Like, he can start to the one to the boundary, short side of the field, right? Furthest out receiver, the one, furthest out, boundary, short side. Come off that and go all the way back to the field side to the one, the furthest receiver that way, so the entire formation, to widen the hook zone, the middle linebacker who's ultimately influencing your next read, right? You have to find ways to move those guys. So we can start boundary one, go back field one, and then shoot the ball into a gap in the hook zone to Durham Smythe, where there's a linebacker on either hash mark, and Durham's just chilling in the middle. The hash marks are like seven yards apart in the NFL or something like that. Like, that's not a win- that's not a very big window at all. Like, Tua creates it, though. 
And the reason the hookbacker is false stepping here and not driving across that and picking it off, just like you saw happen to Lamar Jackson on Sunday Night Football, is because Tua knows where Durham is and how to throw to him accurately, despite the fact that he's never looking at him. He just knows he's there, and he's throwing off of timing and rep and feel, as in my helmet stripe is to the, the field, to a flag route, to the corner towards the pylon, but the minute my eyes come back to the hook, the throwing motion's already started. It's already going. He plays as fast as his mind operates. And if you can understand that, you can understand what makes Tua an elite quarterback. We heard McDaniel praise Tua for taking some sacks. The first one, the third and three, everything was bracketed. And I'm with coach. Any of those targets are a risk of a turnover. Sometimes the defense just wins and you have to tip your cap to those guys. Some drives will end in punts. But with how good and efficient this quarterback is, if we just don't force those types of throws and accept that flipping the field opposed to a turnover in those spots with the way this defense is playing, you're going to be tough to beat. If this team doesn't turn the ball over, they'll win. I don't care anything else. If they don't turn the ball over in a game, they're going to beat you. That's how I feel about this team. And the term game manager has this negative connotation to it for whatever reason. But in this sense, managing the game and knowing those factors, good defense, struggling offense, field position, scoreboard, time of the game, that stuff is part of being a good quarterback, narratives or not. And so while he's doing that, he's also incredibly decisive. I don't think there's a good defense for him when he is this decisive. He averaged a career-low 2.08 seconds snap to throw. (laughs) Even the best pass rushers are going to get to the quarterback in 2.08 seconds, maybe twice a game, maybe, maybe. There's back-to-back throws in the last touchdown drive of the first half. One, a waddle drop, and I noted it because it was such unique footwork that just speaks more to his prowess as a quarterback. He takes the path of the running back. like He chases the running back down like a draw, like like where you go get the draw and put it in their belly, opposed to the running back running up to you, right? And then after the fake, he has to flip his feet all the way around because he's aligned to the formation like a right-handed quarterback. And as he does all this, the throwing motion is already beginning. He plays as fast as he thinks. The whole reason the window for this throw is open against the off coverage is that Tua's footwork and some false pulls from the offensive line, mostly Tua, it sucks that second level up and creates that window. These are the small things that people that dog in this quarterback just are not capable of knowing. It's that simple. The next one is the Braxton Berrios conversion, that little corner out on third down. It's a true drop back on third and six with a blitz. So a fifth man comes and Smythe and Berrios are on a stack to the field, which is essentially, so they're lined up right next to each other to kind of create confusion for the split for the defense. And it's essentially a smash concept, which is a corner route and a little uh, square in or a, a hitch, something to pull a defender inside to create outside access for this throw. And since Berrios is the receiver with a defensive back in man coverage, you know the receiver is the first to react because the DB He's reacting to the receiver, not the quarterback, like he would in zone. So it requires an insane amount of anticipation. He throws the football high and away. It's perfect quarterback play, guys. You can't defend that. The fourth down conversion is also perfect quarterback play. The Jets run a game to the weak side, a TE stunt. The, the tackle goes outside. The end goes inside for pressure on the quarterback. That looping end has a free run down the pipe, right into his face, just like we had against Zach Wilson all game long. But Tua has the ball out, and I clocked it. I got one at 1.93 and one at 1.95, so I'm going to call it 1.94 seconds. That's not enough time to execute a stunt. It's not enough time to beat your man one-on-one. It's barely enough time to win off the edge and just run straight to the quarterback when they forget to block you. But now what Tua has to do is to protect himself. So he speeds up his throwing motion 
and turning it into a little flick of the wrist where he drops the arm angle down to three quarters and he becomes more wrist action opposed to a full wind-up throw because the wrist action is a quicker little dart throw opposed to a baseball pitch, right? So he squares up his feet so he can absorb the shove that a defensive lineman loves to give a quarterback, like ball out, shove him, right? Hit him, make him feel you. The ball is out before Waddle clears the hook meets him directly between two defenders, and the hit doesn't even put us on the ground because we are in a position to brace for that contact. Money. This is where I think his game has really gone to the next level, whether it's creating on the move or just speeding things up another notch. He's playing faster than the defense can in all but like three games this season. On 20-plus air yard throws, he was 1-for-1 with 60 yards and a touchdown, the waddle shot. On 10-plus air yard throws, he was 4-for-5 with 116 yards and a touchdown. Blitzed, he was 3-for-3 with 33 yards. When he was pressured, he was 4-for-5 with 48 yards and three sacks. So that did get to him a little bit, but that was about it. Great game to a fourth best tape of the week. Number five tape is Durham Smythe. He made a couple of tough catches where he takes a big hit, but the real reason that he's in here is for how he whipped the Jets in the running game. And Mike McDaniel on Monday called him the consummate Miami Dolphin because the way he doesn't care how he gets to the winner's circle, he just wants to get you to the winner's circle. He's got a handful of reps in this game where he chips the edge that either helps Austin or Tehran to position themselves to finish off the block. Then he climbs up to the will or the strong safety to just... The green on their jersey disappears off the screen because all you see is the white jersey with an aqua 81 swallowing up that entire block. The perimeter seal on both Raheem touchdowns. Go look at any explosive runs off the edge. Typically, Durham's the guy making a key block. The reason I'm going with Durham here over some of the guys who had gaudy stat lines is that I think the key to beating the Jets' defense is to dominate the edge, and he is the biggest reason we did that in this game and back in Week 12. Honestly, it was impossible this week. Any of the honorable mention guys could be top five here, like... Zach Sealer belongs in there. Jalen Ramsey belongs in there. David Long belongs in there. Teron Armstead might have had the best tape of anybody in the entire game, if I'm being honest. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Durham had four targets, 32 yards. Eight, that's eight yards per target and 1.68 yards per outran. Those are both season highs for Durham Smythe. Let's go ahead and knock out the offensive notes here before the last break. And just real quick, you guys know that play that I think everyone doesn't like right now? It's a little fake handoff to a, a dummy back, like no running back there, and then the backside flip. I feel like something is coming off of that. And I'm going to go ahead and put a bold prediction out there right now. Cowboys game, playoffs to cover three. That could kind of open up a deep post route because of the way it influences that that middle field safety. Just keep an eye on that. I thought there were so many well-conceived, schemed-up wins for the Dolphins in this one. Like making life easier on your offense when you can do that, right? And it worked with synergy because all the quick game had the defensive line second-guessing their approach aggressively. They want to get up upfield, downhill, and come after the quarterback. We're just a good matchup for that defense, man. Like we've seen it in both games this year and even both games last year, uh, particularly the first game when Raheem Mostert was rolling in that one. But we exploit their areas of vulnerability the, the vulnerability that their style presents, like it's it's very much jives with what we do strong. We hit HN on the flat to convert a third down early in the game, and you can just see that's one place, that's where the ball's going the whole way. But it's a clear winner pre-snap because HN motions to the side of the field, chased by a linebacker who's already three yards outflanked. You're not going to catch him right there. The best part about it to me, your play side receiver have to run convincing routes, and both Waddle, who we talked about earlier, and Craycraft both get their guys to flip their hips inside to sell the inside access. Really, really, really good game plan, and it's just what you want to see one week after we talked about the Titans in the same way because we got out coached in that game. Now, that said, I will give you guys this disclaimer. 
I think there are clear deficiencies that you're going to have to deal with the rest of the way, like on the interior offensive line. There are just too many power moves where Quinn and Williams chucks Liam or Lester, or they overrun blocks at the second level. Like, it's a problem. It's, it's, but it's a problem that we can survive as, as long as we stay as we are right now. Uh, but the alternative, like guys off the street, I just don't know about that. So we'll be fine, but you have to elevate other areas of your football team when guys go down, like Tua did and like Waddle did. And Robert Hunt being back will be huge there as well. As far as the eligibles, Jeff Wilson's the first one that I know here because what a teammate he is, man. He jumped into the role that we saw Chris Brooks play a little bit earlier this year where he's whamming the edge from those nasty alignments, you know, an extra blocker as an eligible is nice to have. I also want to add River Craycraft to that because he blocks every game. Awesome. Uh, Raheem, short note here, kind of feels like rinse and repeat because I just talk about it every week, but the physicality with how he plays so frequently, it's him and a linebacker at the point of attack and he approaches that thing with a linebacker's mentality. It's awesome to watch. Julian Hill, when he hits defensive backs, there's just a force to it that, like, let's put it this way. I don't envy those guys at all. It, it must suck. He's a big dude. He also runs a lot of routes where they kind of reroute him, and he winds up working through it in a way that acts as, like, a rub route. So he's kind of, like, setting picks downfield, but he always knows how to get the hands up so it's, does, so it's obvious that it's not offensive pass interference. It's a level of vet savvy you wouldn't expect from a rookie, but Julian Hill's been doing that all year long. I thought Braxton Berrios' toughness was on display all day long. As a return man, that tough third down catch and in the running game might have been the best Berrios game we've gotten so far. And then, you know, we talk about the perimeter game, right? So we ran the ball off tackle. Both touchdowns were off tackle and had 45 of the 77 rushing yards off tackle. How about this? The perimeter passing game from Tua Tungavailoa. He was six for eight with 112 yards and a touchdown pass, a 153 passer rating. So he can't win without Tyreek, and he can't throw the ball outside the numbers, right? Got any more brain busters? Offensive line, that earlier miss I mentioned with Tua, where he had Raheem on the angle route, even if he throws a good ball there, honestly, Liam misses a one-on-one block in space. I think it's not, I don't know. If he attaches to the block there, it's probably a big play, but I think you saw a few examples in this game, like that play where you really missed Connor Williams. You just have to find another way to, to overcome that, right? Like coaches are problem solvers. That's a problem. Solve it. We just don't have the same unicorns on the interior that we once did. So what? Figure it out. But yeah, Liam and Lester overran so many blocks at the second level. I mean, it's the difference between rushing for 77 yards and 158 yards, like the last game against this Jets team. That's that's how it goes, man. It's it's rough. And for that matter, I thought Austin had probably his sloppiest game of the year. On the holding call, he tried to shorten the runway, but John Franklin Myers attacked it with the same ferocity that AJ has, and it got him off balance. He also got him on the first and goal failed run before Raheem's first touchdown run. Liam got smoked by Quinn and Williams. So there were some issues on tape, but I do think when Rob Hunt gets back, it'll solve some of those issues. And I would go Rob Jones at left guard. That's just me, though. So that's that's, that's how I would handle it when he gets back. Uh, speaking of Rob Jones, thought this was a really good game from him. There were so many pass pro reps where he was able to transfer the weight and kind of slide to stay right in front of his man. Like, really, really good stuff. He also has a good feel for when he can get off a double team and go find work. I saw one rep where he's holding Liam's outside post, and then he turns his head back to see Austin, who's trying to deal with a guy crossing inside his face. So he leaves Liam, who has the block handled, and goes and gets a rack of ribs. That's that's playing team football, team offensive line, a five-man operation. Just, again, Liam and Connor are such different players, man. It's no knock on Liam because I think that Connor's the only center in the world that can hit those 20-yard downfield blocks outside the numbers. But you can also see Liam's nastiness in a booth. Like, I like him in short areas, which is why I think the guard position is better for him, but we just need him for center right now where he can kind of clean up a chip and then climb to the second level, just stay compact. When he's compact, he's good. When he's in space, 
not so much. Uh, Tehran's good however you slice it. It's, it's frustrating how it seems like something fluky happens to him every game, like a body flying into him or getting rolled up somehow. Just freak incidents seem to occur every game for this guy, and he was his all-pro self in this one, man. He's in the top five if he played more. I just felt like guys that finish the game should get more of that recognition because of that. But, I mean, ISO slide to get doubles everywhere else. He shuts down their best pass rusher, hitting a block outside the numbers when he's outflanked by several yards by an outside edge, like squares him up, takes him out of the club. I, you have to go back to Richmond Webb to watch a left tackle play the way that Teron Armstead does in this, this organization. Like, it's so good, man. Kendall Lamb, what an asset he has been. His first play of the game, was the, was a red zone run from Raheem Moser that winds up going to like the two yard line and he gets the critical block wide of the numbers like just, what a valuable piece he's been to be that swing tackle all year long we've needed him all year long uh, total numbers Teron Arms had one pressure uh, Austin had one in his short brief appearance Lamb had two on the interior Cotton and Liam both had three pressures allowed and Robert Jones had one pressure allowed let's go ahead and take our last break right there come back on the other side do the defense and the snap counts that's all next drive time podcast your host Travis Wingfield brought to you by Auto Nation. Finishing up this week 15 film review edition of the Drive Time Podcast on the defense side of the football. And everybody who was worried about this game all week long, all the tweets, all the we're going to lose out even though we're nine-point favorites against the New York Jets. I kept trying to remind you guys, I wouldn't put it on social, but I would tell you in person, hey, their quarterback is Zach Wilson. So the fumble he starts the game with, like there is no business doing anything but wrapping up the football in that spot. It's a seven-point bad decision, just awful. The next drive, first down, Garrett Wilson has a great route, the best route he's ran all year against Jalen Ramsey that turns him around. But because this quarterback has to see it happen before he throws it, that extra second to process that he takes, it forces a throwaway. Like we dominated the Jets in every facet of the word, no doubt, but that quarterback is terrible and that offensive line might be somehow even worse communication breakdowns all over the place. I'm excited to see how this Dolphins defense plays against a top offense next week because I think they are really good, but the Jets offense was as bad as Miami was good in this game. But overall, like the game plan was awesome. And then this this creates some of that too because Wilson does, has never played well in terms of you know, anticipation, but the game plan that had such variety was really what I think created some of that. You get your typical zones that turn into man match, right? But the shadowing of Wilson with Jalen Ramsey for two thirds of the snaps that he was on the field, there was a man free rep where Wilson ran the deep over and Ramsey is like closer to Garrett Wilson than the towel that's tucked into his waist pants, the waist of his pants. Like he, it was so impressive to watch the way he ran with Garrett Wilson and it was connected on the back end which tells me that those breakdowns and big plays last week were more of a function of losing guys mid-game and trying to make it up on the fly let's go through those notes real quick so the defensive line there's just so much flexibility in terms of where guys can align and they play together so well their pursuit their fundamentals the selfless approach they've been on it all year and and that's how you produce you know from from different guys having multiple big games every, you know, the whole year. It's why we have so many guys that have big numbers. Everyone's eating. 48 sacks is second in the NFL. 117 QB hits is first. And I already talked about Christian Wilkins. Uh, Raekwon, I guess Raekwon had a Raekwon game, but Zach Sealer, man, truly a bull in a china shop. Just a ball of chaos. He's so damn powerful that every time he connects with someone, they feel it. Like, he, they get knockback. But he has a unique balance that allows him to use that power to just clobber through people on his way to affect the quarterback. And his sack was just him basically walking his man back, walking his man back, get off the block and go make the tackle. Stack, peak, shed, finish. They work on that all off season and you see it pay off throughout the entire NFL season. Four pressures and one stop for Zach Sealer in this game. Uh, the off-ball linebackers that I loved in this game, 
well, I guess Gink's more of an on-ball linebacker, but how about his coverage rep? Just shows you a little bit of everything every week, right? Did it with a broken nose, too, by the way, that happened in the first quarter. Like, football players, man. He had six pressures, was second on the team, also got doubled a lot and messed up the connection of their offensive line a lot. So Gink, not the big sack numbers, but he was impactful in this game. I thought David Long was fantastic once again. I never get sick of watching how quick he is. He's so fast, he can break down and change direction with an athletic quarterback, which we're going to need over the last two games of the season and the playoffs as well. But the way he also has no issues smacking a tight end or guard at the point of attack. David Long with James Cook and Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson coming up, like going to be a big key in those games. Three stops and two pressures for him. I think we got better at linebacker with Duke Riley. I mean, he continues to show a real feel for this defense. He does a good job taking himself to the play before it even happens, if that makes sense. Like he doesn't get stuck in false steps, stays low, flows towards the flow of the play, you know, funny enough. And then the moment he gets a key, like a pulling guard or whatever it is, it's fire the gun and go. And I love the way he attacks shallow crosses in the hook zone. So many linebackers, some guys on our own team, wait until the football's out. Then they react and they overrun the play and it's, it's out the gate. But he anticipates it so well. And what an athlete he is. He's been exceptional from the moment we lost Jerome Baker back in Washington. Two stops, 34 coverage snaps. They are one for three with six yards. And that six yard completion was short of the sticks with his tackle on third down. In the secondary, Ramsey, there are just reps where Garrett Wilson had to shut shut down shop, like pressed, widened, no speed, and we come to a stalemate, and the play's over. Then he's you know passing off into someone else's zone, generating depth, taking away backside crossing routes, falling 25 yards down the field to pick up that backside crosser. Just a master class from Jalen Ramsey. We rattled off the shadow stats up top. 37 coverage snaps, one target in the game, no catches on the year. Quarterbacks are 11 for 27 with a buck 52, zero touchdowns, three picks. It's a 19.9 passer rating against. He's all world, man. I thought Cater Coe, who had some good reps, consistently in good position. And we don't know the calls, but it looked like he was very on top of his stuff in terms of where he was supposed to pass off, where do I pick up, which was not the case last week. So good to see that there. And I thought Elijah Campbell played a big role in that as well. He had the awesome pass breakup coming from depth in the game. Eli Apple, I thought was his best game as a Miami Dolphin, quick and decisive, kept things in front, fired his gun to go get downhill on those short passes, had a great pass breakup on third down that creates a, a punting situation. Good job by Eli. Apple and then Brandon Jones two picks obviously the headliner there for him but he made an open field tackle on Dalvin Cook in space on a screen that I thought looked like vintage Brandon Jones so fast and so physical which is where I prefer he plays two picks three stops second on the team in the game in that regard great stuff all around how about snap count so we know we had a bunch of guys that didn't play the entire game right so the offensive line only two guys went the distance. That was Cotton and Jones. Eichenberg missed five snaps towards the end. They took him out of the game there late. So your guy, uh, Jonathan Harrison, got some snaps late in the game. We also had Teron Armstead played 53, so most of the game before he exited, but it sounds like he's going to be just fine. Austin Jackson was the one that missed the most. He played half the game after taking the injury. Uh, Tua played 53 snaps. Mike White played the rest of them, which is, where is it? Eight snaps. The running back rotation, Mostert got 54% of the workload. Achan, 40%. Have to imagine that we see both those guys get more work here in these bigger, you know, better team games down the stretch. Uh, where else was Alec Ingold at 31% of the snaps? And then Jeff Wilson got eight snaps in the game. Everyone got snaps in this game, man. The receiver workload went. Jalen Waddle played two-thirds of the snaps. Barrios played 40%. That's the same number as Chosen. And then where was Cedric Wilson? Sorry, guys. Wilson actually played the most snaps. He played three-fourths of the snaps in the game. That's good to see that. Craycraft got eight reps. Tight ends. Durham played uh, 70% of the overall workload. Julian Hill, 36%. And then Tyler Croft got some action as well. As well. Chase Claypool played five snaps in the game, too. On defense... 
Both safeties went the distance, which makes sense. No Hall and no Elliott. you got to keep those guys up, playing the entire game. At cornerback, Kohu leads the way with 80% of the snaps. That's actually the same number as Ramsey, so they played the same number. Uh, Eli Apple played just two snaps less than those guys, so pretty consistent effort across the board. Nick Needham got 25% of the snaps. Ethan Bonner played 11 snaps in the game. It's good to see everyone get some action, man. It's kind of how it goes in this one. And I don't think Cam Smith played because he got injured, so he only played special team snaps in this one. Uh, the linebackers, David Long played 54 um, Duke Riley played 47 snaps. Those are kind of your primary guys inside. Off the edge, we had Bradley Chubb playing 71% of the snaps with Andrew Van Ginkle playing 88%. So that's kind of how that workload's gone so far since we lost Jalen Phillips with Emmanuel Ogba playing just four snaps before he got injured. But that means Cam Good got 34% of the workload in this one. On the interior, Wilkins played 72%. Sealer played 71%. And Raekwon played 55%. These low snap counts, man, that could be a big benefit going into the next week against the Dallas Cowboys just playing fewer snaps in the game. And then Deshaun Hand had 16 snaps as well. So there you go. That's your numbers. That's your film review. That's your podcast. We'll come back on Wednesday and break down the Dallas Cowboys. A big, big, big football game here. Cannot wait for that one. In the meantime, subscribe, rate, review, follow all that stuff. Check out the Fish Tank podcast. Dan Marino on the show. Do not miss Seth and OJ with Dan Marino. The YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline Cameron, Daddy's coming home.